friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. I'm so pleased that you have chosen to join me uh, this morning. I feel, I just want to say that I feel so blessed by uh, you guys. And, um, you know, I record these podcasts uh, often on a on an early morning, so my voice often sounds quite um, horsey. Um, and, you know, you're not members of my church. So it's an honor to be able to speak into your lives. And just the comments I get back from you, I just feel very blessed by. So thank you so much. There's nothing worse than being a, a church leader when you preach and then you stand at the door and people kind of walk out and you can see in their eyes that they're not like, they didn't like what you said. It was too challenging. Uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, the lovely comments that I get from you guys, the words of encouragement. Uh, I just feel very, very blessed uh, by it all. I got uh, an email. I won't mention the guy, but I got an email from a guy who uh, heard me speak when he was 15 years old and he's now a worship pastor in a church because of that talk when he was 15. I wasn't his church leader. I was just visiting and it impacted him and he's now listening to the podcast every week. And um, I just feel so blessed to have that privilege of being able to, um, yeah, speak into your life. Now, we're going to continue this little three-part series uh, back today with another parable that Jesus teaches. Now, this isn't specifically about building, but you can see what it, how it applies uh, to building. Uh, Jesus was the tecton. Uh, he was not somebody who worked in wood he worked in brick it's a mistranslation it's a it's a western translation of an eastern concept uh jesus the 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 master builder so we're going to look today at the parable the rich uh rich man and uh it's all about camels and needles and eyes and needles so we'll explore uh this a little saying uh together in this episode we see rubble Jesus sees building material. Uh, we need to come back to the master builder and make sure he's the foundation of which we are building our life. So here we go. I hope you find this podcast episode inspiring, helpful, challenging, and it also equips you to build back better. Let me start by reading from Matthew 19, 16 to 26 for you. This is the uh, NIV translation. Just when a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus said, there is only one that is good. If you want to enter uh, life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He required inquired jesus replied you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not give false testimony honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself all of this i have kept the young man said what do i still lack i'm doing all this stuff i'm being incredibly religious i'm behaving myself i'm doing all the kind of things that i should be doing great jesus answered if you want to be perfect if you want to go further and really go for this okay so you're not just kind of half implementing this you are really going to go for this he says this if you really want to go for this go sell your possessions give it to the poor and when you uh, then you'll have treasure in heaven then come follow me that come follow me is such a beautiful line where else do we see this line come follow me every time jesus calls one of the disciples he says come follow me he's giving the young man the opportunity to enter the discipleship club he's giving this kid this man this 
opportunity. He could even be the third disciple. Get this, like this, this young guy has the potential here. If he goes and sells everything, he could be like Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Would you sell everything if you had the opportunity to be a follower of Jesus? If, if, in hindsight, if somebody said, Chris, sell up everything and you are going to be one of Jesus's top 13 disciples. And I'd be like, I'm all over it. Of course I would. It's hindsight. Let's not be too judgmental of this guy. I'm not convinced uh, in that situation we'd be the same. But let me just carry on. So come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad or heartbroken because he had great wealth. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for somebody who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it's easier, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Well, who can be saved then? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In other words, yeah, you need to give this a good go, gang, but it is impossible. But don't worry, for God, all things are possible. And what they didn't know was Jesus' death and resurrection were coming. There's going to be a way to get eternal life where you don't work, you don't strive, you get to just receive it in Jesus. That's grace. So, 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 so. I want to talk about false sense of security. What this young man had here was a false sense of security. It's harder for a rich man to get into heaven. Why? 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 Because our wealth gives us a false sense of security. What? What is giving you a false sense of security? So what is your false sense of security. Him, it was money. His wealth gave him a false sense of security. It gave him this sense that his life was secure. He had a home. He had probably servants. He had a substantial wealth that he got in savings. Here is a man with money. He feels secure in life. For many of us, wealth is not going to be the security blanket. What is your security blanket. What is the thing that makes you feel safe and secure? And it's into that that Jesus says that's the thing that needs to go because whenever there's some worldly thing that's making you feel safe and secure, you're not fully falling on Jesus. You're not fully falling on God and the security found in God. That's the challenge that is given here. Now the pandemic challenged our idea of security and safety. We suddenly realised that life was not as stable or secure as we thought it once was. In fact, we're far less secure than we like to think. The pandemic made us suddenly realise that a little virus from somewhere else can be brought to this country on a plane. We're an island nation great thing about being an island nation is these things don't usually bother us. We don't have a massive concern about immigration because we have an ocean that you've got to somehow get through. We feel safe and secure as an island nation. We, it, we don't realise so much how much this forms our thinking. We feel incredibly safe. Nobody's going to suddenly walk in and then invade our country. Nobody's going to suddenly appear one day with some AK-47s and take over London. It's just not going to happen because we've got an ocean around us. We are secure. Health-wise, we feel secure because of that ocean. It stops things easily being transported into our country in terms of health issues. 
And now, of course, there are health issues within the island, but these kind of pandemics, we've never had to worry about them before. We certainly do because of flights and transportation. This little virus made its way and suddenly we realised, whoa, we are more globally connected than we thought we were. We are more globally connected. So Jesus is saying to this guy, look, my friend, remove your security blanket and trust me. Disciples like, whoa, Jesus, isn't this way too much? And Jesus gives this phrase, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for somebody who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Right. When you hear that phrase, it's easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle. If you're thinking that that involves a camel trying to get it through a, a needle, like a little sewing needle, and it's impossible to get that camel through that sewing needle, look, you're on the you, That understanding of that passage is not going to change anything. If that's how you read it, that's how you want to read it, great. You you will understand the passage perfectly. I, what I'm about to tell you does not change how you understand this passage. But I think there is another way of understanding this that I just want to kind of offer to you. Uh, and it's, uh, it is discredited on Wikipedia for the wrong reasons. So I want to give you this up front. This is my view of which you can research it and see what you think. But if you lived uh, in a city like Jerusalem and you had your city walls, you had city gates... What you didn't want was in the middle of the night, somebody to come from another place and invade your city while you were asleep. You wanted to make sure that at night when you went to sleep, it was safe. So I want to invite you to think about this for a moment. On an evening, do you lock your front door? Of course you lock your front door. If you've got a cat, you lock your front door, but your cat has a cat flap to get into. Therefore... You don't have to keep letting the cat in and out because you have a cat flat. Uh, you can Google this. There's pictures of teenagers coming back at 2 o'clock in the morning having been dirty stopouts. They've tried to get into the house through the cat flap and they've got stuck. Google it. Teenagers, cat flaps. It's absolutely highly hilarious. This image that we have here that, that Jesus is giving of the eye of the needle uh, there was not one specific gate called the Eye of the Needle Gate, and that's what Wikipedia gets confused by. The idea uh, that in a city you would have a massive gateway and on an evening you would lock those doors, the problem was if you were out late, you couldn't get back in. So what they did was they made a small, very small entranceway uh, to one of the sides of the main entrance, and this was known as the Narrow Way or the Eye of the Needle, and the idea was you could not get a horse, a camel, any oxen or anything like that. You can get an animal through it. All you could get through it was yourself. Uh, you would struggle to get any armor through there, any weaponry through there. It was literally just big enough for a small person to get through uh, maybe with a rucksack being held in their hand. Just over a year ago, I got to be in Jerusalem. And uh, we actually visited one of these eye of the needle gates it's it's within the city of jerusalem the the really nice one because the, the walls of jerusalem have expanded uh and this eye of the needle gate is in one of the russian orthodox churches and they built the church around this this entrance way into the original um jerusalem so i would argue that in a city like jerusalem uh, there was these little narrow entrance ways all around the city 
uh, by the gates, somewhere around the gates, so it would allow you to access the city at night, uh, but not big enough that you could invade it. You could, could not get an invading army through that gateway. If you need another example of this, um, if you were to Google the Jaffa Gate in Jerusalem in, in about 1904, there's a beautiful picture of the Jaffa Gate from Jerusalem on Google, black and white. And what you see is the gate is wooden, but in the wooden gate is a mini door inside of the gate. So you would step through the gate, through a little mini door in the gate. That's another way it was done. That was another eye of the needle gate. I remember fire stations, when the fire station would have a big red door uh, for the fire engine to come out of, but you don't want to have to open the fire door every time an individual wants to get in. So you have a mini door in the fire door. And that's exactly what an eye of the needle gate is. That's exactly what the eye of the needle gate is. It's a difficult entryway. And Jesus says, your security blanket, the thing that makes you feel secure, is going to stop you from getting into the kingdom because of trust. You have a trust issue. And you're trusting other things other than the one that you should be trusting, he says. And it's easier to get a camel through one of those little entranceways than it is for a wealthy man or somebody with a security blanket to get into the kingdom of heaven because it is ultimately a trust issue. We are more committed to the kingdom of comfort than we are the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. So what is your false sense of security? Is it your youth? I'm young. I'm young. It's going to be a long time before I'm not well or I have health issues. I've got youth on my side. Or is your security blanket your health? Well, I've got the health system. We've got the NHS. The NHS will save me if I'm not well. We've had scientific breakthroughs these last few years. Therefore, I feel safe and secure because of the health system. Is it money? Is money your security blanket? I have wealth. I can make myself more wealth if I need be. If there's a financial crisis, it's okay. I can actually generate money. I've got lots of investments. Is your security blanket the fact that you have a home? I've got a safe place to come back to. That is mine. Therefore, I feel safe. Is your family your security blanket? Well, if everything goes wrong, if, if my wife divorces me, uh, every, everything falls apart, it's not a problem. Because my mum will have me back or my family will have me back. I can go back home where mum will look after me, where dad will care for me. Is your family a security blanket? What about your talents, your abilities, your charisma? What about your talents, your abilities, your charisma? It's not a problem if it all falls apart. I'm a talented guy. People like me. I can woo them. You know, I'm a quick thinker. I've got lots of charisma. It's not a problem. If all falls apart, I can I can fall back on the fact that I can fall back on myself. What is your false sense of security? Now, Jesus says those false sense of security are going to stop you from getting into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. that's that's This is challenging stuff, gang. So Jesus calls the eye of the needle gate in, in other passages also this idea of the narrow way. So in Matthew seven thirteen it says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Enter through the narrow gate. Small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And few find it. 
you find it. Some of the things we build our lives upon or out of are unable to get us through the narrow gate. They are simply too cumbersome. Let me say that again. Some of the things we build our lives upon or out of are uh, impossible to get through the narrow gate because they are simply too cumbersome. So I just want to keep exploring this idea for a little while longer uh, about security blankets and what are we basing our lives on? What is the foundation? Is it your wealth? Is it your family? Is it your charisma? Is it your youthfulness? Is it your health that makes you feel secure? that Jesus is challenging us to get rid of. So let me just read this to you. This is Ephesians 2, 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple of God in whom we also are building together the dwelling place of God in the spirit okay we are building our lives on a secularistic consumeristic version uh, of, of vision of life in the UK and in the west we build our life on secularism and consumerism without even realizing it and then we try to implement Jesus into our lives Jesus needs to become the cornerstone for our lives. He needs to become the foundation of which we have full security. We can't make other things the foundation. We have to make Jesus. If not, it's just not gonna work long term. And uh, in the last week's podcast, or last time's podcast on this topic, I read from Isaiah 28. And he said this, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. When Jesus becomes the cornerstone, the cornerstone is the first stone that a builder puts down. And that cornerstone becomes one of the foundation stones of which then the plumb line, the, the, the lines for that building get fitted and put out. So you use your cornerstone to then create lines uh, to make sure your property is square. God says, if you make Jesus your cornerstone, then what you'll build from that will be justice, will be righteousness. It'll be, it'll be a building based upon the justice and righteousness of that original stone, Jesus Christ. So we are building our lives on false senses of security. And Jesus says it's easier for a camel to get into the in, uh, through an eye of a needle than it is for a wealthy person or a person living with uh, a false sense of security to get into heaven. The question is, what are we f uh, finding our foundational security in? What are we f um, finding our security in? What is the foundations that you build your build your life on? And Jesus wants to be our foundation. I'd love you to take out a pen for a moment and just write down uh, the word foundation just as a way of remembering what is it that Jesus wants to influence in your life. If Jesus becomes the cornerstone, the foundation stone of your life, then that foundation stone wants to shape your life around justice, 
and compassion and righteousness. So what does a Jesus foundation look like? So Jesus's foundations want to influence F, your finances. He wants to influence how you invest your money, where you invest your money. Do you ever look into how your bank is investing your money? I stopped investing in a number of um, high street banks because they were investing my money in the arms trade, in, in the porn industry and into um, uh, oil. And I was just like, they're things that I can't get behind. Uh, so I removed my money and put it into ethical banking. So that's F. Let's go to O, your options. You might think that there are five options on the table for something or three options. But when you look at it from a Jesus perspective, there's actually only two or maybe even one option. Uh, Jesus wants to influence your options that you look at, the choices that you look at. So F for finances, O for options, U for unions. If you don't realize, we're spying the word foundations here. U for your unions, your sex lives, your relationship lives, who you marry, who you date, all of that. Jesus wants to influence your unions and who you commit your life to. Jesus wants to influence your needs, what you think you need. There's a difference between your needs and your desires. Jesus wants to influence your needs. Uh, F-O-U-N. Then we've got D, desires. Jesus does want to influence what you desire in your heart. And it's not that Jesus doesn't want you to have your own desires, but he wants you to be influenced by his desires. D, so then A, attention. Jesus wants to influence and give a foundation to your attention, what you give attention to, where you put your attention, who you put your attention in, what you give your attention to. Jesus wants to influence your attention, uh, what you give attention to. Jesus wants to influence T, your time, how you use your time, how you see your time, your time being a resource. Jesus wants to influence how you use it. It is a resource that you have and he wants to influence your time. Jesus wants to influence your I, your interests. So F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I, interests. He wants to influence what you have interests in your life on. He wants to influence where you're putting your time into those interests is this something that is going to be wholesome and good for you or is this interest going to be something that actually is more damaging for you oh orientation or uh you know you could say it's direction but we need to know so orientation like the direction that you are going the orientation of your life and the trajectory of your life jesus wants to influence where you are going he doesn't want you just to wander aimlessly through life he wants to influence where the next step is and therefore where you're orientated to or orientating your heart to and finally n nationality jesus wants to influence your nationality over everything else over where you live where you are born your greatest foundation cornerstone your nationality is found not on earth, but in heaven, in the kingdom of God. You are now a citizen. You're not a foreigner. Remember the Ephesians 2. You're now a citizen of the kingdom of God's household. So your nationality 
is above the nationality of being British. It's above the nationality of being American. It's above the nationality of being Swedish. Whatever it is that you are, your nationality is found in Jesus and not on what nation that you have been brought up in. And there is a danger that for some of us, our nationality forms more of who we are from from the country that we grew up in uh, over the nationality of, the, of God's household. So Jesus wants to set the direction, the foundation of your life as the cornerstone of your life. And that cornerstone wants to influence uh, the foundation of your life, which is your finances, your options, your unions, your needs, your desires, your attention, your time, your interest, your orientation and your nationality. That is how Jesus wants to form you and form your foundation. So to do this, what do we need to do? If we want to do this and you genuinely want to do this, you are just going to have to do the hard, hard graft of daily starting with him. You cannot do this if you're not daily starting with Jesus. It's just it's just what it is, gang. If you don't start with Jesus at the beginning of your day, in whatever way or shape or form, he will not become the foundation. If you start your day listening to the BBC and end your day listening to Jesus, there's a danger that Jesus is at the end, not at the beginning. He's not the foundation, but he's the roof. So you end up praying at the end of the day uh, for what's happened and what's been built rather than the start of the day. Uh, so just give that a little bit of reflection for the moment. Do you start your day with Jesus? And when we start with Jesus, we need to say this to God, God, I need you to restore in me what needs restoring. Lord, where my false securities are, I need you to restore in me. I need you to restore in me, Lord, what needs restoring. And that that can only begin at the start of each of our days. Starting our year, starting our day with Jesus is what will shape our foundations. So I'm just going to lead us in a, in a little prayer. Uh, a, a little confession over a false sense of security and be then over our foundation and what Jesus is wanting to shape. So Heavenly Father, we just confess that there are many false senses of security that we have over our youthfulness and our health, our money, our resources, our homes, our families, our abilities, talents, charisma, give us all this false sense of security. Whatever that is, Lord, we confess it and we look to you. We want you to be our cornerstone. We repent and ask for your forgiveness of that, Lord. And Father, we want to ask that you would have influence, that Jesus and his teaching would have influence over our finances, the options that we have, the unions that we make, the needs that we think we want, the things that we think we need, the desires of our hearts. Uh, we pray that you would shape our attention and our, and our time and our interests, direct our orientation and where we're heading, and God, form our nationality to be out of your household, your kingdom, and out of nowhere else. Form our foundations, Lord, uh, around your son Jesus and his teachings. We pray that in the powerful name of Jesus. And all the saints said, Amen. I hope you found that helpful or challenging in a good way. And uh, thank you for giving me your time. We're going to continue this journey next time as we explore uh, just another uh, little bit of teaching from Jesus. Um, just a, a, again, using this, this building kind of metaphor, how do we build back better? 
Uh, so until next time, friends, grace and peace.